Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. All things Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. We're back and happier than ever uh, after yesterday's result. Uh, fantastic smashing the baggies on the road and you know helping me recap all of this are my trusted co-hosts Nick and Dan and gentlemen I know we talked about this but I wanted to bring it up on the pod is uh, one of our long-standing listeners Eric who sends in emails every week he was actually in Minneapolis from New York this weekend we got to hang out at Brits watch the match with the Twin Cities Blues and the TC Blue Lines I mean it's just fun getting to go to the pub and hang out with fellow Blues to watch the games Nick right that's fantastic. I mean, it's one of the the really interesting parts of being an American fan is that you know nine a.m. rolls around and you're at the pub and you're drinking and uh, and taking it in with uh, with fellow uh, Chelsea fans. And I think that's kind of the the value prop that you get with uh, with being being an American Chelsea fan. Yeah, or or you're tweeting you know Akuna Murata um, through the, uh, the official <laughs> at London Blue Pod Twitter account. That's what you can do as well if you're one of us. You know, that's it's good with social media. If you're on an island not hanging out with a bunch of fans, you just 
tweet at us or jump on Facebook and, and we interact that way. But anyways, I, I digress a little bit. Um, we do have a guest with us this weekend. Really, really excited to bring on Vi from the Evening Standard. Uh, first time on the pod. Uh, we just connected recently, but we're really excited to, to have you on. Hi, guys. Yeah, really excited to be on. Obviously, uh, Vi is, covers Chelsea uh, pretty much over at the Evening Standard. And so she, uh, if you guys haven't seen, she does a really good job of posting a lot of photos on Instagram, even does some videos of uh, kind of the pre-match press conferences and post-match that Conte does. Um, and, and so I would say for like very quick information, go ahead and give her a follow. Uh, where should they or how can they follow you on social media so they get to see that? Um, yeah, well, so I'm on all the social media accounts, obviously, in this day and age, you kind of have to be. But <laughs> if you just follow me on Twitter um, for, you know, updates, pictures, videos, that's that's my name. So V-A-I-B-H-A-R-D-W-A-J, that's Faye Bardwaj. I've also got an Instagram account, which is a bit more personal, but you'd also get sort of pictures with players and stuff like that on there. Um, Instagram stories, if I'm at, if I'm at Cobham or Stanford Bridge. Um, and I've got a Facebook page as well. So if you fancy checking out my Facebook page, more Facebook kind of user you can also see my page there awesome well obviously we'll have all that stuff in the the podcast description um but if not go to our social accounts because we've tagged her there and all of them uh as we always do we've got some shout outs dan for some awesome fans some listeners that dropped those five star reviews in itunes so it's time to give them the shout out they're due yeah, we just eclipsed uh, 200 uh, reviews on the uh, American iTunes store, so thank you very much for that. Uh, Aphrodite69, Jew1 uh, on Tiger, and then Shayris Gardi uh, all dropped a little five-star review this week, Nick, and we want to give them a little thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you would like to be featured in this section of the podcast like we have for the last three years, I would just say uh, go into the store, click through your app, and, and maybe give us a five-star. And... Uh, and you'll be kind of featured in this uh, pristine uh, section of our show. Well, second up, we do have two new members of our Patreon account, Joey and Steven. Uh, Joey even tweeted at us. This is really cool. He said, just became a Patreon for London Blue Pod. It's a great way to support the media you enjoy. You wouldn't go to a concert without paying. Why should you listen to media from these guys and not donate to it today? Obviously, high praise. Uh, from Joey, we, and so we appreciate we paid Joey that. to say that. We paid him to say that. So <laughs> refunded his donation <laughs> in turn for the kind words. Um, no, it was great. Uh, but I think that the next question we got from social right before we jump into all this, and I think this is important, right? Like this is pretty much the only talking point everyone had going into this match. Once Antonio Conte walked in with what looked like an attempt to grow a beard, Nick, uh, I'll write Vru on Instagram saying, "Was it the beard?" Of course it was the beard. As a, as a fellow beard holder and, and grower myself, I, I think that the beard provided inspiration to the team. Dan, I think it was, uh, it kind of led the charge out on the pitch and, uh, and instilled fear in, uh, in a terrible baggies team. I think you're just more excited that you now have really a great conversational point to bring up with Antonio Conte if you meet him in person again. That's true. We could talk about beards, beard grooming, uh, different styles of brushes. Uh, Vi, what are your thoughts on the beard? Conte rocks the beard, I have to say. He's, you know, he oh. looks pretty good with it. He was, it was a bit surprising, I have to say, when I was at the press conference. And he emerged with this, you know, different look. Um, but, you know, it, it seemed to work yesterday. You know, they got the three points, kept a clean sheet. So uh, I think you'll, you'll see him stick with it. 
it's it's going to be good to see how this evolves. Obviously, Antonio Conte has a well documented hair history, so we'll see how it goes on the face this time. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I'm not going to pick on the guy that has delivered us a title in his first season and uh, is delivering wins this season. So uh, as we roll into the match uh, review, Nick, um, Black Friday is coming up very quick for all those in the U.S. It is just a monster day of shopping with ton of deals, ton of discounts. Obviously, we're going to give them a heads up on World Soccer Shop, right? You know it. Um, so worldsoccershop.com, uh, you can be guaranteed that there will be some of the biggest discounts on merch of the entire year. So I believe last year, um, you know, if you're looking at, at kits specifically, uh, there were, you know, it was the steepest discount until kind of Adidas went out and Nike came in. Um, so uh, if you're looking to uh, to maybe gear up those around you who you love with the uh, with Chelsea gear, I would suggest, Dan, that they go and uh, and perhaps peruse on World Soccer Shop. Yeah, worldsoccershop.com for Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals. All right, well, let's go ahead and kick it into the match review. Obviously, we played West Brom in the Premier League, uh, traveled to the Hawthorns this past Saturday. Uh, Blues four, baggies nothing. All right, we had some score predictions. People are getting better at this, Nick. I'm actually a little concerned at how bad we were compared to how well our listeners are doing. Yeah, I, so if you remember back a couple of years ago uh, during the terrible Mourinho season, I think we went over the entire season. <laughs> it it was outstanding, and and so far, I think what the last four weeks we've had someone get it correct. So uh, on Facebook, we four nil. By the way, bold prediction. Well done. Uh, to uh, let's see, we have Justin on Facebook. We have Addy Cooney on Facebook. Uh, Corey on Twitter, and then First Hipster on Instagram. All got that right. Are you kidding me? I'm pretty sure Corey had the hazard brace predicted as well. Yeah, he should have put some money down on that for sure. I mean, he's going to build some confidence. We'll have to see if he doubles down next time. Uh, but here we go with the lineup. Now, Dan, according to Premier League.com, the official, you know, kind of, a, you know, I guess authority of the league, they said that Chelsea lined up in a 3-5-1-1 this week. Not the 3-5-2. Minor detail. Yeah. Yeah, but it is the return of a copy-paste lineup because we have now gone from Manchester United to this match against West Brom with the exact same lineup. So uh, it could be the return of a very easy part of the podcast where I could just memorize this list and move forward. But for today, it was Thibaut Courtois, Azpilicueta, Christensen, Cahill, Zappacosta, Fabregas, Conte, Bakayoko, Alonso, Hazard, and Morata with a bench of Willie C., Rudiger, Luis returning after a, a game on the uh, the naughty list. William Drinkwater, Itan Apadu, and then Pedro, who all uh, rounded out our match day squad. So if I obviously we'll get into the Christensen Luis debate a little bit later, but anything else really stood out uh, from your end of it, your angle, kind of looking at this lineup. Uh, obviously, I think Conte has been pretty open that the three five two or the three five one one is is the change that he sees Chelsea using going forward. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as as you guys have mentioned, they've kept that formation now for the last two games. The last two games have seen Chelsea keep a clean sheet. And, you know, they've won both of those games. So I think he's going to stick with this 3-5-2. I mean, I don't know. It looked more like, it was kind of more of an interchangeable 3-5-2. Yeah, 3-5-1-1. I mean, Hazard, he's just everywhere, isn't he? So, but essentially, I think they're going to keep that going forward because what it means really for Chelsea, and you've seen that in the last two games, is that by having that three-man midfield, you know, Fabregas, Bakayoko, Kante, 
they protect the defence much more than the 3-4-3 was doing before. Um, and where they've had this inconsistent start to the season, they've been shipping in goals, um, it just offers a bit more protection. Um, and so I don't think you're going to see that changing in the next couple of games or so. I mean, hey, Antonio Conte, we know from last season, if it's working, he's not going to change it at all. Uh, so hopefully that's exactly what happens. Um you know, get into it right away. Goals. All right. Plenty of goals today, Nick. 17th minute. Murata passes in. Just a little tap in off the rebound from Hazard's really strong left-footed shot from the top of the box. And most importantly, Nick, Hazard shot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think I think everyone was happy to see that. Um, he also shot a couple of other times in this match, and they went in. So that's good. Uh, this was after... I think the first 10 minutes of kind of sleepy play from Chelsea. Uh, Hazard gets kicked uh, by Gareth Barry, uh, was 0% happy about it. Um, and I think that really lit a fire in him uh, to kind of go out and prove uh, why they play at West Brom and he plays at Chelsea and is one of the best players in the world. So, uh, yeah, he essentially wheeled around. Um, let's see, I think it was a couple of midfielders. I'm trying to replay this in my head. Uh, and then whipped a shot in um, that uh, was deflected out um, by the keeper and Murata kind of just from an acute angle too. I think the finish was a little bit harder than than it looked, but just passed it into the back of the net. 1-0, Chelsea were off to kind of a, a flying start after that. Yeah, especially because West Brom had actually scored first, thankfully deemed offsides. Uh, but as we continue to roll with it, Dan, 23rd minute, Eden Hazard was on the receiving end of a fantastic backheel flick by Morata. Obviously, he's able to chase it down, dribble around Foster, and slot it home. And we've actually seen him miss a couple of these before. Again, he's on his left foot, but he was full of confidence today. Yeah, the nice little forward pass from Fabregas kind of before he even crossed the midfield line forward to Murata, who you know, was back with the defender, the defender and just did the little, little cute back heel right into Hazard. He split uh, Macaulay and Higazi and you know, just made that you know, nice little keen move past Foster and you know, or really just set it up, and it was, uh, it was gorgeous to see. Vi, I don't know where the media sit at the Hawthorns, but did you have a good angle to kind of see this develop and go down? Yeah, so basically the, the media will sit where the Chelsea away fans are. So it was on the other end, but you, it's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic stadium, so you're able to see all the action unfold. Um, so, yeah, we're in a good position to watch those goals go in and there were quite a few weren't they oh it was fantastic we obviously have the benefit of watching that on replay and uh that was showed quite a few times and then again at the post-match analysis uh 38th minute uh everyone's favorite left wing back to hate marcus alonso <laughs> finishes off a back post cross from fabregas uh, off a set piece so vi i thought this looked like it was a drawn up set piece when we saw it back on replay all of the kind of Chelsea players attacked towards the middle of the goal, but Alonso hung out like he knew it was coming. Uh, and he was just able to finish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Fabregas and Alonso, they're, they're friends off the pitch and they have a really good understanding on the pitch. And um, it did look like they had practiced this on the training ground um, the week before this game. Um, and, you know, it, it made sense because um, West Brom, they were struggling defensively anyway. And they left Alonso completely unmarked and he can finish off um, a chance. I've seen him score you know, how many goals this season already. And so it was, you know, you just knew it was going to go in the back of the net once Fabregas dinked it over the defence to Alonso at the far post. 
That's good. He scored, like I said. Uh, Alonzo struggled a little bit on his long passes, hit a couple out of bounds, wasn't able to hit that switch to Zappacosta. But, uh, you know, when you need him, he seems to be in the right place at the right time. So uh, happy for him. And then rounded it all off. 62nd minute, Hazard sitting on the defender's shoulder, waiting to catch Fabregas's eye. You saw some replay. He was looking at him, waiting. Finally, they connected. Fabregas, simple ball over the top. Uh, all Hazard had to do was beat one defender, and he did it, and then just sealed the win, and he was quickly subbed off after that. So uh, one thing I wanted to point out is we've already got four matches, um, or I'm sorry, three matches this season where we've scored four goals um, or more. Last season, we had five. So uh, I think we're doing well in kind of that standpoint. Obviously, we beat Stoke City, Watford, West Brom, uh, two of those being 4-0, Watford being a bit more of a shootout. Uh, but, you know, kind of using this to lead into talking about our attack Nick, um, today I thought was an absolute showcase for Eden Hazard, Alvaro Morata, and Cesc Fabregas. Like we said, it took about 10 to 15 minutes to adjust to the overly physical approach from West Brom, but once they realized they could pass around their defense in midfield, it was great to watch. So, do you think those three are the best attacking trio in the Premier League? Uh, that That is a difficult question. Um, I think on their day, when they're all kind of clicking uh, you have a guy in Fabregas who, you know, you, you could argue there might be a couple of better passers in the league, but that would be a tough a tough ask for, for anyone to outpass him. I think Hazard has a ridiculous amount of skill, and then Murata is just a finisher. Um, you know, I, I would take those three on my team any day. I think that they are starting to blossom into kind of a, a an understanding with each other by that that could be pretty dangerous uh, for the rest of the year. No, absolutely. And I've been really surprised at how quickly Morata's come into the league. And, you know, it's almost seamless um, kind of link-up play with the likes of Hazard when he came back, obviously, from injury, um, and Fabregas. And actually, I want to point out about Fabregas because the reason why I think you've seen him do so well, in the, particularly in the last few games, is because Kante is back in the side. And with Kante and Bakayoko do more of the defensive work, he's just free to be to do what he does best, which is create chances. And you saw that yesterday with his two assists. Um, and I think that's why you're getting the best out of Fabregas. And by getting the best out of Fabregas, he's linking up really well with Morata and Hazard. Um, but, you know, you can't look past some, you know, the Man City's forwards as well, because they are linking up really well uh, this <laughs> season, obviously for the league leaders, unfortunately for Chelsea and all the other um, title challenges. I mean, Aguero, Gabriel Jesus, Kevin De Bruyne, Davi Silva, you saw how they played yesterday. Um, I mean, they are on fire. But if you're looking at another sort of tr- attacking trio in the league, um, who had done so well, who are blossoming, as you've mentioned, it would definitely be Hazard, um, Fabregas and Morata. Well, I'm glad you brought up Man City's attack because I pulled in, I kind of did some research yesterday looking at the attacking trios of the top six. Um, I did a Garo Jesus De Bruyne just because De Bruyne has actually had more assists and goals than Silva. Um, so Man City, though their three are at 19 goals and 10 assists between the three of them uh, with 54 chances created. Now, I know Man City, it's almost like hard for them because so many people are involved in the attack. Uh, but to compare between our three of Murata, Hazard, and Fabregas, uh, they've got 12 goals, eight assists for each other, and 61 chances created. And I think this is important because both Murata and Hazard have spent time injured as well. Um I don't know. I guess Dan coming into this, 
Uh, Chelsea have actually created the second most chances or chances between those three, and it's overwhelmingly because of Fabregas. No one has created nearly as many chances in the league this season uh, than Fabregas. Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting. And, and the one team or the trio that you put together here of Ozil, Sanchez, and Lacazette for Arsenal would be the, the team that's created more at 66, which is also interesting because you know, Sanchez was not playing for a little bit of the first part of their season. So it seems like they have something starting to click a little bit there as well. But I think this is just the... You know, the summation of getting to spend time together, playing on the pitch together. And, you know, to what Vi pointed out earlier, the, the protection squad of, um, you know, if you need someone to protect your money, um, you, know, you might want to handle that with Bakayoko and Conte uh, protection services because Cesc Fabregas looks pretty well uh, set up there in the midfield now. I did overstate De Bruyne is at 33. So him and Fabregas essentially neck and neck. I, I would I would add to this, though, too, uh, when you look at, you know, most of City's time has been spent together. You know, they do get the odd injury, but they're not, you know, they haven't been super injured this year like they were last year. You know, we we are definitely on, you know, kind of coming back down to earth from zero major injuries last year to having Hazard, Morata, Conte, Moses out this year. So we're kind of seeing those law, the law of averages kind of come back to bite us a little bit there. You know, Liverpool, I think, will forever be injured. Um, They just have, you know, those types of players. You're starting to see kind of the the cream separate, though, maybe a little bit in the league. And when you look at, you know, if you're able to keep N'Golo Conte healthy, who, you know, I think we can make a pretty fair statement, say he he might be our most important player, um, that, you know, he does... He really makes a difference. Even Bakayoko was getting forward yesterday at a clip that, um, you know, I think he's he's starting to kind of feel, you know, when he has the ability to move as well. So you might even see him, if he ever learns how to shoot, be a part of this, uh, quite a, uh, be a part of this piece anyway um, of attacking talent. For sure. And I think that if you kind of look at that dynamic in the middle, uh, so N'Golo Kante stays back. Fabregas floats to wherever he needs to be and Bakayoko is getting forward the, and we saw this in the United match as well he's finding a lot of space uh, wide open so like I said if he can uh, find his shooting boots uh, he, he will end up being a, uh, a very positive player and uh, I think that um, you know he's showing a lot of potential it's taken him some time to adjust but he's got a lot of promise going for him well, well he does and you know let's let's play the scenario out if he does start to score with any regularity I mean if you're a if you're an opposing defense now you have to take him into account whereas you know right now you're probably not super worried about about his attacking abilities uh, you know and that and that kind of opens up more space for Hazard and Murata who are you know being pretty consistently man marked or, or uh, consistently kicked out of out of games to uh, to have to worry about someone else too. Uh, I don't know if you remember in the match today. There was one moment where there were four defenders surrounding Hazard as he had the ball and was trying to oh, yeah. work it out. And yeah, it's very clear that he is magnetic in the way that he draws defenders to him. And you're, I think you're absolutely right. If we get Bakayoko to the point where he is able to contribute, you know, four, five, six goals a season and then can be that additional threat, all it does is free others up. Well, you know, like I said, it's um, 
this season has been a little bit different. But from a stats perspective, uh, Chelsea actually have uh, a very productive attacking three. And I think that that has been able to kind of grow and blossom once these guys have, have gotten back to being healthy. But like I said, I mean, this is over Mkhitaryan, Lukaku, Rashford. We're talking about Coutinho, Firmino, Salah, and then even Erickson, Ali, and Kane. Surprisingly, so Arsenal had the least amount of goals scored, but Tottenham, uh, they've got 14, but they've only got four assists to each other. So it, I, and, and they have this like the second least amount of chances created. United actually have the least amount of chances created. But just looking at this team grow together, I think it's really impressive. So by Chelsea had a very distinct style of play last year with different players. This year, we've had to integrate more new players, now a new formation, and Conte is starting to get his tune out of these players again. I think that it's just actually a lot of credit goes to Antonio Conte for being able to adapt while maybe it's not as quick as we all wanted to. We're finally starting to see the hard work that he loves to put in. Uh, we're starting to see this team's identity, and I think it's really exciting. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's been a hard season, and I think Conte... He predicted that in in the summer. He knew it would always be a hard season to take into account all the Champions League fixtures, um, into everything. You know, having sold Diego Costa, having to get players like Bakayoko and the, the new signings Morata, get them sort of fitted into the squad, and then having to deal with injuries, as we've mentioned, you know, already on this podcast so many times. It, that was the key problem, and you know, having your key players like Kante out. So now I think the players are now fully fit. Now he's going to have Victor Moses coming back, hopefully for that Liverpool game. Um, for what he said. So now he's pretty much got his team back. Um, he's got a formation that I think he's going to be taking forward. Um, and they've got a bit of a run going on now in the Premier League. They've won four games in the Premier League. So there's a bit of consistency now. And I think now they can really try and kick on and, and push uh, City and United um, in terms of points. Well, I'm really glad you talked about a run because that's exactly what my next question was going to be for you is that um, we've actually gotten a lot of these questions from the fans. If we think Chelsea are finally ready to go on a consistent run, um, now that everyone's healthy, Chelsea now have the second most wins this season, tied with United on eight. Um, but it seems like we've had a lot of up and down performances this season. So it's not like we're completely down and out like maybe we thought a couple weeks ago, the last international break. So uh, after today's performance kind of coupled on the United victory, do you think Chelsea are now ready to be, or I guess, are they in a position to go on a run? Um, especially as you're talking about so many matches um, coming up in December, we'll touch on that, but the next five matches for Chelsea are Liverpool away, Swansea and Newcastle at home, we'll be at Newcastle, West Ham away, which is like West Ham also away, and then Huddersfield away. <laughs> so Vi, with that being said, the next five matches, do you think Chelsea can maybe go on a seven match unbeaten streak? I actually think they can and that's actually what Conte was asked about after the game he was asked whether or not he thinks they can you know maybe not necessarily match the 13 game winning streak from last season but certainly go somewhere close to that because of course that was a big reason why they won the Premier League title last season but could they can they kind of get something like that kind of consistency together um, and momentum certainly and he said he hopes that they can and you know they've won four straight games down the Premier League what I would say is is that this sat the next Saturday is going to be huge the game against Liverpool at Anfield now Liverpool beat Southampton 3-0 um, on Saturday. So they're not going to be an easy proposition to beat at Anfield. If they can come away with that, certainly not with a loss, but I mean, if, say if they won that game, it's going to be hard. If they win that game, 
you can easily see them winning the next fixtures. I mean, they've got Swansea at home, as you mentioned, Newcastle at home, and um, then they're away to West Ham. Those are winnable games for Chelsea. So I don't see why they can't go on a winning run. And even if they, they drew or if they lose at, at Anfield, I don't think that's going to affect them in going to December. I still think you're going to see a bit of a, a run now that you've got the team fully fit. Um, players are all back. They've kind of got on this team spirit back and, and they're kind of fighting spirit I think as well after the you know that 3-0 loss to Roma I think it really dented them I really think they will go on on a bit of a run now Nick last year Chelsea lost 1-2 to Liverpool at home early in the season obviously we know then we played Arsenal right after that Uh, then we drew 1-1 at the end of January so obviously Liverpool being kind of the standout match of these opponents I mean where do you where do you think we'll be in the next after the next five matches I, it, you know, I think it's tough to say, right? I, you know, you look at Liverpool and they are uh, fire and brimstone going forward, but at the back, you know, they are they are easily had impotent and yeah, <laughs> something like that. You know, we don't you know, unless we're getting sponsored by some sort of enhancement drug. I don't think we need to use that word, but um, <laughs> I would say that if 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 you're able to get at them and and you know you could use yesterday, you know, against a really tough tackling West Brom team. Who uh, you know put in a, put in an effort just wasn't talented enough to do anything with it, uh, and and you look at some of the interchange that was beginning to happen between Hazard, Morata, and Fabregas, you could see those three carving up a, a pretty shoddy defense at Liverpool, and so maybe Devise point, you know that is possible to come out with a win. They've kind of been a bogey team for us over the last four years, though. I mean, results have not been very easy to come by, um, but. You know who knows? I think, I think maybe uh, this team is just starting to round into form, and we'll want to go out and prove something. You know, we do have that uh, insane trek <laughs> in the Champions League before we before we get to Anfield, but um, but we will touch on that later. Uh, Dan, we know how busy December is as well, and Chelsea have nine matches in twenty eight days during December. Obviously, we'll be at two of them. You know, Newcastle and Atletico Madrid, the first two. So hopefully we'll be there to help kick them off on a strong foot in December. I mean, what are you making of this? There's a lot of matches coming up. Premier League, Champions League, and Carabao Cup all in December. Yeah, and I think, you know, my my thought is the angle from like an opposition research piece because Manchester City also have nine matches in December over the same period of time. And, you know, they're caliber of team that they're playing is about to ramp up for them a little bit you know they start off the month going up against united uh they'll get a chance to play tottenham at home they'll have the opportunity to play uh, liverpool right after the the start of the the next year and i i think if there's any opportunity to truly challenge um what is potentially a historically good manchester city side uh, this is the the moment to strike and make up some ground because this is where I think every club is going to be tested. Uh, you know, I think you know Stones had an injury yesterday, potentially his hamstring, so there might be a little defensive adjustment that has to play take place at City, and we know that's been their Achilles' heel the past couple seasons. So uh, I, I fancy us to go go five for five, and I, I feel pretty pretty good about that, especially now that we've got the beard in place. The beard, yes. You assume it only will get stronger with time, right? Yeah, I think it's about understanding, you know, I think you have to adapt to an understanding of who you're playing with and who you're working with. And I think with this change to the 3-5-2 or the 3-5-1-1 that, you know, we're, we're finding 
good rhythm. We're addressing the issue, which is has been, you know, either people are attacking us on the flanks and there's no support there, or they've been cutting through our midfield when we went to the midfield too. And, you know, we're really kind of not giving a lot of options to run through us at this point in time. Like you're, I think the, uh, the best attacks that West Brom had were kind of lobbing balls over the midfield and trying to go a little, little indirect at goal. And so I think that's going to be uh, probably a, something they practice on the training ground this week to, uh, to shut down the longer attacks that way. But I think that this is going to provide teams a little bit more of a struggle who felt like they understood that really, you know, our only distribution was to the sides out of the back and never through the center of the pitch because our midfield was uh, was porous. And now we've put other teams in a position where they have to maybe rethink how they're going to approach tactically facing us through the, the rest of the year. Well, and you look at December really quick. I mean, it is Newcastle, Atletico, you know, those are going to be semi-tough. West Ham down, Huddersfield Town newly promoted, Southampton, Bournemouth, Everton, Brighton, Stoke. I mean, th- that run, Brandon, allows allows you to dream a little bit about maybe making up some ground. And Bournemouth is a Carabao Cup, so you assume Carabao that we'll Cup, have a yeah. lot of you know lineup changes that one. I just want to go back to Dan. That was a fantastic breakdown, but honestly, when I said it's only going to get stronger with time, I was talking about the beard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> hashtag beard gang. But also, uh, you know, you could just clip that for anchor later when we drop the uh, the analysis this week. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and roll into probably what was the biggest headline once the lineups were announced. Obviously, Vi can attest to how many questions Conte got about is David Luiz back in the squad. So here it is: title fight of the night: David Luiz versus Andreas Christensen. Man, it's heated up, especially after another fantastic performance by Christensen yesterday. Conte clearly is sticking to what he said before the international break uh, after the United match. So do you think, Dan, is this a new Petr Cech, the person who's been here, performed, is the essentially general of his position versus Courtois, the new, young, up-and-coming, high-potential player? Yeah, this is a, a tough question. And uh, I know that uh, Aerith Muggle, uh, Dude It's Dietz, and then uh, Sachet all on Instagram threw this same question out about, you know, can Luis and Christian play in the same back three? Um, you know, it, it it's starting to feel like that. And I think it's all, all a credit to Christensen for coming in and playing like the the ice man that he is and never kind of ever showing that he looks uh, out of sorts i mean there was only one moment where um you know thankfully john moss you know doesn't know how to call a penalty for either side and uh you know, that was <laughs> <laughs> where christensen made a little bit of a uh, kind of challenge issue and, and kind of got a little caught off but and nick I'm, I'm thinking he probably is you know Conte likes consistency. He likes not shipping in goals. And I think until there's a adjustment to that and we do see ourselves challenged, I don't, I don't see a path back into Louise until that moment happens or due to rotation. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that if, you know, unless Louise, you know, is going to gun for Cahill's or Dave's spot, I mean, I think that he's kind of on the outs unless he gets played in midfield, uh, maybe to – to spell uh, N'Golo Conte or um, or Bakayoko, so I think I think those are kind of his options right now. Andreas Christensen has been absolutely fantastic, um, and 
it, really, there's no other way to put it. I mean, you have two clean sheets, um, and I, you know, I would say that our biggest problem through the first two months of the season has been shipping in goals and looking disorganized. And I think that he's done a really good job of working with Cahill and uh, and Azpilicueta to make sure that everyone has the right spacing, that they're playing the ball out correctly. You know, he's able to. Uh, handle bigger, stronger players like Solomon Rondon uh, better than I ever thought he could, and I think that might be the most impressive part of his game to me is that he's he's not ever um, too small for for some of those big challenges. And Vi, I mean, I don't know how you saw it on the pitch yesterday, but but the man looks like he's trying to stay in this uh, in this central uh, defensive role for a, a long time. Yeah, no, absolutely. He has been superb since coming back from from his loan spell at. Borussia Mönchengladbach um, I think the only game I can remember where this season when he's played and he kind of struggled was that first game against Roma at Stamford Bridge apart from that he's been cool he's been calm he's barely put a foot you know out of line he's been superb and that's the biggest issue for Louise now if and, and it's the biggest issue for Conte he's got a player like Christensen who's come in who's done so well you can't take I mean you wouldn't want to take a player like that an informed player out of the side um, and but you know for Louise he's looking at it thinking right I want to get back in this side but you can't take an informed player out and you don't want to upset a player like Christensen who is clearly the future Conte's admitted he's the future for Chelsea he's only 21 of course um, and so as you guys have mentioned where does that leave Louise and his place in the team now the only thing I'd say about Christensen he doesn't necessarily contribute in terms of goals to Chelsea as Louise can do and there's that aspect of the leadership uh, qualities that Louise brings to the team when he's on the pitch and when he's off it. Um, but, you know, this has all come off the back of Louise's shaky performance against Roma away in the Champions League and the fact that he questioned Conte's tactics um, after that game. Um, he has trained well. He's putting his head down. He's doing well. He didn't look that impressed in the warm-up, though, at the Hawthorns. Um, I don't know if you guys saw clips of it on social media, but... Essentially, he had his hands in his pocket and he just didn't look like he was that interested in warming up, probably because he knew he wasn't going to play. Um, but unless, I mean, what Conte, the issue Conte's got now is a juggling act. How does he keep Louise happy while doing what is clearly right, which is playing Christensen? I actually think Louise may play some role against Carabag because I think that's a fixture where you can have him play. Um, without upsetting Christensen necessarily because, you know, they thrashed Carabag in the reverse fixture 6-0. Against Liverpool, however, I can't see Louis starting. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't think you can have uh, any mistakes against Liverpool. Uh, they're they're going to cause enough damage on their own um, without giving them anything. So I, I would agree with that. I think Christensen is a, a deadlock to start against Liverpool. Well, now the the debate is okay, you know, because Christensen does it quietly, right? He doesn't make a big fuss. He just is. I don't understand like his ability to stay calm and poised. He just goes about everything so quietly and calmly on the pitch. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, I think that everyone is now starting to say, SP, solidified. Absolutely. Christensen, now this is solidified. Maybe David Luiz, you should go out to the left. Go challenge Gary Cahill, because then you have a, another big, strong guy who can add in goals, but he's better with his feet. I don't know, though. I don't know if David Luiz is going to be interested in moving out of that central role. Um, but we'll ha- I don't know. We'll have to see if that is a tweak uh, that and, Conte is interested and, in. And that flank... That flank would be really interesting with Louise, Alonzo, and Hazard on it. I don't know 
from a, uh, <laughs> a security standpoint, if Fair that play. is going to produce some some good results. I mean, and also he would then be competing with uh, with Rudiger as well. I think who's looked in in fine form when he's had a chance to come on too. So uh, there's not. I think the path back is a little, you know, at least for regular play, is murky. And I think it is it's going to be based on, does Christensen falter at any point? And, you know, is he given the time to, if he has a bad game, to learn? Because I think that's also a part of, of being a young player, is he has to have the opportunity to potentially fail and not get the... Uh, yeah, you know, the the Baba treatment from uh, from Hiddink, and you know, get an opportunity <laughs> to potentially stay in a game. Or, and you know, I, I think Liverpool is going to be a great test with with Salah, uh, with Coutinho to to really again see how Christensen plays and and how he can kind of insert some dominance. And again, you look at him; he's not the most physically domineering player, but his tactical intelligence and awareness is is almost unparalleled for someone of his age. And I'm I'm pretty excited. Like it's it's great. To be at a point in the season where we're not talking about a lack of squad depth, we're talking about the fact that we actually have really tough challenges to make, and I, I think that's uh, that's a good thing. So this is kind of like probably the bigger thing that Conte has to take in into consideration too. Is it if Christensen is playing really well, but Conte goes back to Louise because he's the proven guy? What does that say to Tammy Abraham, Ruben Loftus Cheek? We've already seen Shalaba leave. You know, we've seen that younger Shalba is on the fence. Dom Solanke is left. What is it going to tell to these guys like Hudson Adoy and and guys that are coming up from the 18s and the 21s? I think that's also something really important that those guys are looking at is do the youth ever have a chance? But December, Chelsea play every three or four days, tons of matches. Hopefully there will be time to kind of play the juggling act before we head into the second half of the season. So um, with that being said, I guess uh, Philip Tran asked Nick, said, please come up with a nickname for Murata Hazard partnership. You do so well with these things. No, no pressure, Phil. Thanks, man. Um, Well, I would add Sesk into this. So I would do the three amigos, uh, have a little Spanish um, play on that because I feel like Without Sesk, you know, they're kind of on an island by themselves. Um, and looking at some of the passing maps from the last couple of weeks, I would add in there the three amigos. It's not my best work, admittedly, uh, but I think, so I think we're I've been do thinking better. about this a little bit. If you're going to do that, it should be Gole. Because they, they get goals together and like Ole. Gole. Oh, I like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That, I was slow there. That, that was my fault. Yeah. I like that too. All right. Vi, Vi, any nickname <laughs> suggestions? Oh, this, this is really putting me on the spot. I can't think of anyone, but I do like Three Amigos. That's yeah, how ring to it. Like, it makes sense. Obviously, some Spanish flair has already, you know, he's he's very, like, he crosses, like, the cultural line so well because he's it's cosmopolitan. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, well, and if you ever saw the, the movie with Steve Martin and Martin Short and Chevy Chase uh, from, the, from the 80s, I would go. Highly encourage you to watch that. Maybe they can do the dance from that movie, which was which was excellent. <laughs> we'll have to uh, see if we can get that for some social content. All right. Uh, true or false, Aspi Laqueta is the only lock for Chelsea's defensive lineup at the moment. Uh, probably coming from the fact that our friend Liam Toomey over at ESPN FC UK, he tweeted that Aspi Laqueta has played every minute of every one of Conte's 50 Premier League matches as a Chelsea manager. What a machine. Dan, is he the only lock right now? The, the only player to do so, too, which is uh, quite, quite the accomplishment. He is the, the marathon man. 
uh, kind of the, the Cal Ripken, I guess, equivalent is probably the best thing I uh, could use. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say yes, because we're still waiting for the Christensen cement to settle, but um, <laughs> but it's clo- it's getting close there. That's getting pretty dry as long as we uh, kind of make it through this uh, Liverpool match uh, unscathed. I, I think that that will probably be the point at which Christensen locks down a spot. But uh, yeah, because you know, Cahill could also rotate out if, if, if bad form kind of occurred too. I, w- I would say Aspilicueta is the only 100% lock player on that back line. Uh, just a, a random hot take. I think by by the end of his Chelsea career, he will uh, have a statue um, around whatever Stamford Bridge will uh, become in the coming years. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Damn. Um, all right. Well, Vi, I mean, we've seen pretty much everyone else get rotated at some point. But the thing is, Espy Laqueta, what rotation for him is to go play right wing back or left wing back. <laughs> 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 have a day off, Espy. <laughs> Oh, he loves it. He loves it. I mean, he's known as a teacher's pet in that dressing room. I saw that. Hazard talking to Soccer AM. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because whatever the coach wants him to do, he will put his head down and he will try and do to the best of his ability. He's also known for being um, the most competitive in that squad. So he doesn't want to lose. He doesn't like losing. And that's why, I mean, he just, he puts in 100% effort every time he plays. And that's why he's been rewarded by playing every single game, every, you know, 90 minutes of every single game, because he's just solid, isn't he? Um, he, I feel like he's underrated as well. When you think about the Premier League defenders and, and some of the top defenders in the league, I actually think he's underrated. But yeah, as you mentioned, you don't play him on that right side of, of the three-man defence. You play him at right wing-back to deal with Moses' injury. Um, and he excels and he's done so well. And he's, he's just got the right attitude, isn't he? He's got the kind of attitude that Conte loves from players. Um, and that's why he's been such a staple in this Chelsea side for so long now. It's only a matter of time before he takes the captain's arm brand. Obviously, vice captain as it stands. Um, any other thoughts or comments you guys want to have before we wrap up the match review part of this, Nick? Um, no, I actually thought, um, you know, if, if you looked at the wings yesterday, it's kind of an area that I, I keep track of from a match-to-match basis. I think that the wings played pretty well yesterday. Um, you know, I, I, there were a couple of opportunities that Zappacosta had to cross the ball that he didn't um, necessarily fulfill the uh, – the legend that uh, that he had when he was bought by Chelsea of, of just kind of the the most accurate crosser in Serie A, but um, I, I think it, he might be growing into the defensive side of his game a little bit, and, and hopefully that allows him a little bit less um, a little bit less stress on that end and allows him to flourish a little bit forward. But I thought that the wings played pretty well yesterday. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that for sure. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I think this is the uh, you know the the spark into the flame moment, right? And ultimately, uh, you know, we're, we're we're putting good stuff together. So I, I'm excited. I, I think we are going to have a really great run for December, and it's perfect that we're going to be heading over to London very shortly to to take in the start of that. Absolutely, Vi. What about you? Uh, kind of from your angle and the journalist aspect, anything that kind of stood out from this match that that you kind of pulled out and and thought was interesting. Um, I just think the team spirit. I think they've reacted really well to that to that loss against Roma, and I think now they, they it feels like they they feel that they're now they, they've learned from it and they can move on. And you're seeing that on the pitch. I think that was quite interesting for me. That's a great call. I mean, they could have easily crumbled at that point, and the season could have been a lot rockier. But um, you know, knowing Antonio Conte kind of challenging the step up and uh, they've delivered. So, um, mm-hmm. all right, well, let's get to the most contentious point of the podcast here with the man of the match poll, Dan. 
Uh, let's Man. see. The tweet goes, yes, after a marvelous win over the baggies, we must ask who was the man of the match in your eyes? Overwhelming. Yeah, overwhelming. Uh, so the options were Evil Eden. Um, nice. So you kind of saw that he got triggered a little bit after a couple challenges, and you know, we saw a different side of him. Uh, Hakuna Murata, the Iceman Christensen, and then uh, by Conte's beard, uh, would be the uh, the final option. 72% went with Evil Eden, but Conte's beard, Nick, came in very, very close at 16%. Uh, hashtag beard gang. <laughs> I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who, who knew that Eden Hazard was the man of the match and yet voted for Conte's beard <laughs> instead. So, mad respect. Yes. Uh, Eden Hazard put his badonkadonk through that West Brom player <laughs> just crushed him. Uh, so anyways, as it stands, as we wrap this up, um, obviously there's still one more match to be played this weekend uh, between Stoke City and Brighton, but that's not going to affect the top six. So Man City running away with it on 34 points, still United on 26. Chelsea in third on 25. We've now cracked up above Tottenham, who are on 23 points in fourth. Liverpool starting to find their footing a little bit on 22. Tied with Arsenal also on 22 with goal difference. Those teams are neck and neck. Uh, Arsenal, huge result over Tottenham uh, at home this weekend, which kind of, I think, honestly, surprised a lot of people. Did it not? Oh, yeah. I I thought Tottenham would, would run rough shot over him, Dan. Well, and I think the other thing is that you're we're neglecting to talk about the fact that Burnley is also level at 22 points this season. Like that, that is an exceptional uh, performance that they've done because they're the value of their squad comparative to an Arsenal, <laughs> a Liverpool, um, is night and day. So a uh, big credit to uh, well, the Ginger Mourinho, Sean Dyche for the uh, the work that he's done there. Well, whose defense would you take out of those three? Because I'm taking Burnley's. Well, without honestly. a doubt. <laughs> It's out of control how how much they're playing above their level. It's exciting to see that Burnley and Arsenal play next as well. So we could see a little bit of drama in the table. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to social media questions. Uh, real quick, obviously, we want to remind you, we are going to London, Dan. It's coming up. Less than two weeks hey, away. Man, I hope you've got your, your bags ready to go, your passports and everything set, because we are heading to London. We're going to be taking in Newcastle, and we're going to be taking in Atletico Madrid, and uh, two two great matches. We have locked down for our cross pod with the Chelsea fan cast, the Chelsea Pensioner. It's going to be the evening of the Newcastle match, so uh, stay close to the Stamford Bridge area. There's also going to be one of um, uh, Marco Mark Warhol's books uh, from his uh, Gate 17 publishing company is going to be dropped in that night as well so uh there's going to be a little book event after the match and uh, we're going to roll into a little bit of a cross pot after that and, and some drinks nick so it's going to be a good time yeah the drinks will be tremendous um again that was a favorite part of the entire trip last year so uh yeah if you guys have any questions or or especially for the the trip goers who are coming over that weekend uh we do have an article up to check out on our website that kind of gives you uh, the 411 on London, if you haven't been before, um, kind of with our experiences uh, peppered in there. So go check that out. And then, yeah, we will uh, we might have a couple of, of live pods coming your way for those who cannot make it um, during that trip. So uh, stay tuned. So I just want to point out as well, a lot of our listeners are going on their own and feel free to check out our article on the website as well. We'll tweet it out again. Uh, it just helps 
you know, things we've learned, but social well, media questions and, and feel free to come and hang out with us too. Like yeah. we're, we're going to be around. We'll, uh, we'll start a WhatsApp group, right? BB. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, real quick, obviously we have a lot of questions. We do have one from Mark on Patreon. Uh, and he says, okay guys, what play today made you go? Holy shit. I need a drink. Uh, I went and got a very early beer after Alonzo scored. So I'm assuming Mark must be West Coast. <laughs> uh, and he was celebrating early at 3 nothing. So me, it was the back heel, without a yep. doubt, from Murata to Hizard. Um, that was a standout play to me. I would agree with that. I think that back heel flick was incredibly tasty and did not get enough love on any of the, uh, any of the shows after the match. Yeah, I'm going to deviate just a bit, and it came much, much later in the match, but I did enjoy the uh, cheeky foul by Murata on uh, Jakob. Nice. Uh, that, that was that was quite perfect. He could have added a little bit more malice to it, but it would go against his uh, his, his pretty boy look that he's kind of got going on right now, and I don't understand how his hair looks perfect after 90 minutes every single match. It's masterful. Yeah. So, some people just have the gift, right, Vi? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and a lot of gel. Probably. <laughs> just, just, just a, he needs a gel sponsor. We need to get that man hooked up. Look, the club does have Sure as a sponsor, so that's, I feel like they're probably underutilizing that. There's a line of products there I'm sure he can utilize. Uh, I would say, just before we get into um, some of these questions, uh, Claudio Jakob, uh, a guy that I forgot I hated so much, um, certainly... Uh, you know, if he was good enough, uh, would make the Herrera list of players that we can't stand. But he just doesn't play enough to do that. So just want to get that out of the way, Dan, before we uh, before we dove in. That's a good call. Great no. call. All right. Well, we had some questions about our attack. Uh, Vfactor07 on Instagram says how Hazard is uh, his new, I guess. Hazardous. Come yeah. on. You ruined the whole, that was the whole punchline. I'm sorry. How hazardous <laughs> is our attacking potential right now? And Neil Fisher saying, why would you get Hazard angry? And where do you fit Pedro in? Um, I don't know. I guess so, so Vi, obviously, we, we kind of talked about the attacking trio. But what about, like, the Pedro piece? I don't see him or William really playing much unless we're in a 3-4-3. Three, three. Yeah, no, absolutely. In this 3-5-2 formation... It's clear that Conte likes having Fabregas. Uh, well, he's obviously played Fabregas for the last two games, but he likes having Fabregas there because of his creative abilities. Um, now, Conte actually, I, I think he prefers Pedro over Willian. I think you saw that last season, the amount of times he played Pedro. But without having a 3-4-3 with two clear wingers on each side, Hazards obviously will take that spot in the left flank. I don't see how you're going to have Pedro back in the team um, unless he's rotating so actually I think you might see the same lineup uh, playing against Liverpool alright well I, you know Pedro had such a great season last season too it's it's kind of crazy I don't know we'll see if maybe he can play that like 4-5-1-1 or the 3-5-3 the Five one that uh, Hazard's taking when we give him a break um, oh good one for all of us uh, Zane says Marata or Costa, who would you rather have leading the line today? Dan, I'm throwing all the hard ones to you. Uh, I mean, he has started training again with Atletico Madrid. There have photos have leaked uh, that Costa is actually trying to get back into fitness and is not jet skiing with his dog or, you know, being a vagabond in, in Brazil. <laughs> so 
and that, that's that's exciting. So the comparison is not just an immediate uh, Murata moment, but I think the way that Murata links up with Hazard and the fact that he started to come into form a little bit more. He's not, you know, taking. He's understanding what fouls will be given and won't be given, which I think is a an adaptation piece. And uh, I, I would I would take you know Murata, especially now that he's doing that Vi, and I, I think he's finally figured out what the what the Premier League is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is hard, isn't it? Because Costa was just a different type of character on the pitch. He kind of, his character actually goes really well with what Chelsea are about on the pitch. You know, they're aggressive, um, they bully people. Um, and he, he showed over the last, uh, two years just how good he was. But I, what I like about Morata is that he's got that bit of a cool head. So he actually, uh, against United, he showed he can handle big, burly defenders, which perhaps some people were saying, Early on in the season, he was struggling a little bit against the bigger defenders who are a bit more like a bully kind of um, bully, kind of using bully boy tactics. Against United, uh, you've seen that now he can handle. He's kind of settled in really quickly. And what I like about him is that you don't necessarily feel like he's going to get yellow cards and, and get sent off. That perhaps sometimes you did think with Costa could easily happen. Um, and so, and you know, he links up really well with the rest of the players. He, technically, he's really good. He can score with his head and his feet. So, yeah, I think Morata is a good shout um, over Costa. But it's a hard one, isn't it? Because Costa was such a hit at Chelsea. Yeah, I think I think as as the time goes, I think we're going to come back to this question in like three years. And it's going to be a really difficult one to answer. Um, just looking at Costa's run over three years in the Premier League. I mean, it was unparalleled as a striker. Um, he was He was kind of alongside Harry Kane in that time, but um, won two titles. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that you, you kind of look at all the all the stats. It'll, it'll be a fun one to look at. I think um, his his kind of character in big matches, uh, we're going to, you know, see if Morata can kind of replace that. But what I liked what I saw yesterday is to kind of give Morata a lot of credit. Um, when they started, you know, going through, and, and this happens to Chelsea a lot, and referees somehow still haven't figured this out, when they started tactically kicking our players, um, you know, Morata and Hazard turned it up to 11 and decided that that was going to be enough of that and then just um, made sure that they were belittling them through the scoreline and not, you know, through uh, a bunch of uh, actions on the pitch, except for the Jakob thing, which I think uh, Morata had just had enough of at that point. Um, and, you know, to be fair to him, I think the the tackle that Claudio Jakob had um, kind of going in studs up on uh, on the ankle of Christensen could have been a red card. Uh, it was a dangerous tackle, and it was certainly uncalled for at 4-0 down. There was nothing that he was going to get out of that. It wasn't really that close to the ball. Uh, so, that's kind of a, an area where you might want Diego to go in and, and throw a shove in. But uh, otherwise, I think they're pretty even, and I think Murata might edge him out on heading ability. So don't forget the Hagazi body slam on Murata. <laughs> but Murata got him back later with the suplex, you know, taking him down at the head and dropping him. But absolute wrestling match from those two. Yeah, uh, we were we were talking yesterday. We needed the WWE Jim Ross <laughs> sound bites over this match. There was just so oh much. Oh my god, he killed him. God. He killed him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, we have a this is a really interesting one. So now we're getting conspiracy theories from Matre on Instagram, <laughs> and I love it. And so they say, could we have a section talking about penalties? Can anyone remember the last one we received? Is it bad luck? Is it a conspiracy? 
is it aliens or is it all of the above? Now, Dan. Definitely aliens. It has to be aliens. <laughs> yeah, you got stuck in on this, didn't you? And uh, you've got some pretty interesting information here. Yeah, I downloaded the uh, the source files from uh, WikiLeaks. I used a crypto <laughs> key to uh, decode it all. And uh, so our, our last penalty awarded and uh, converted was Williams in the FA Cup semifinal against Tottenham, 43rd minute, which uh, Nick, as we were talking about that, was a little, a little bit of a suspect penalty. That was dodgy. And, yeah. yeah, it was a dodgy one. And The Moses? When you kind of... Yeah, the the Moses yeah. slide and Dembele like slid and early. No, son, it was oh, son. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who, yeah, he did the Cesc Fabregas slide four miles too early and and just clipped him. It was pretty bad. But um, that was it. Yeah, that, that's it's been a while. So when you go back and look at the the past couple seasons here, so 2016, 17, uh, two converted penalties. So like I you know I didn't find like penalties awarded. I found like actual penalty goals scored. Uh, Chelsea had two last year, which was uh, tied for 18th place. Uh, the top was seven by Bournemouth, Liverpool, City, and Tottenham. 15-16, uh, four by Chelsea, which was tied for sixth place. Uh, Ten awarded to Leicester that season. 2014-15, four by Chelsea, tied for fifth. Seven converted by Man City. 13-14, five by Chelsea, tied for fifth. Ten scored by Liverpool at the top. 2012-13, nine by Chelsea, which was first in the Premier League. So if you go back, um, you know, typically we've been in the range of somewhere between two to five penalty goals converted to our tire kind of goal count there. Well, I think it's crazy. Like last season, we went on that crazy wrong, dominated the league, and only had two penalty, like, you know, penalty kick goals, which uh, that just means people were doing the business in the run of play, which is crazy. But uh, Vi, you know, from your guys up in the media, you know, chatting between matches, uh, has there been a lot of kind of surprise that Chelsea hasn't gotten penalties or just kind of like if it doesn't come up, you guys don't really pay attention to it? I have to be honest, it hasn't really come up. It's certainly something you do notice from season to season. Um, but it hasn't been that big of an issue, I suppose, because they, they score goals um, from open play anyway. So because Chelsea often are winning games anyway, you know, a, a pe- like it's it's rare that they lose a game and then it will be because they weren't awarded a penalty. So often people just overlook it because Chelsea win games normally. Um, but it's very they're very interesting stats actually that you just pulled up really interesting and quite surprising in a lot of ways well I think that it's something that we now are going to pay attention to and see if this really is a conspiracy theory so Matre thank you for bringing that to the Chelsea fans attention we appreciate that Um, uh, campaign against Chelsea (laughs) campaign against Chelsea Last one we have is the wingback debate from I Ate Buffalo Wings on Instagram saying, when Victor Moses is back from injury, does he still have his spot or has Zappa Costa shown he has what it takes to start regularly? Nick, I don't see Moses doing anything but slotting right back in. Yep. I, I think that he, uh, you know, just we, we've had a, a good um, sample size of matches to take in Zappa Costa's performances at this point. And while I think he is growing into that role, um, especially on the defensive side, like I said earlier, uh, I think that Victor Moses will come back having been newly crowned African Player of the Year, which is a major congratulations to him, and uh, and slot right back in. And I think for those who doubted how good he was last year or thought that you know you know we were going to bring someone in to replace him straight away. Um, 
this last month or so that he's been out or, you know, whatever, three weeks, um, I, I think has kind of proven how valuable he is. And uh, and I think he will have a, a renaissance when he comes back. So, Vi, I guess with this one, to me, I, I'm saying no, that Zappacosta hasn't shown him enough because we've seen Conte not even play Zappacosta and move Aspie or someone else in that position. He just doesn't seem totally sold on him yet. Yeah, I was actually, I think I brought this up a couple of weeks ago as one of my talking points to one of my YouTube shows in that I was surprised that when Moses was initially injured, he he had as pretty quick to play as, as the right wing back. And I think he's even had Pedro play there, but he didn't necessarily have Zappacosta and Zappacosta obviously started against West Brom. But I think Zappacosta's done pretty well. Um, you know, I think he's done as well as he could have. This is his first season, obviously, in England. Um, but he was always brought in as as Moses' um, sort of second-choice right wing-back. He was never there brought in, really, to be the, the main man on that flank. And when Moses comes back from injury, um, which looks likely to be on Saturday, he will certainly take that spot back up. Because Conte, of course, knows his abilities. Um, and, you know, Moses has had a full season playing in this position now. So there's no reason why... Um, Conte wouldn't have him start when he's fully fit again. But yeah, I was a bit surprised that Zappacosta didn't have the chance to do what he was brought in to do and, you know, uh, replace Moses when Moses wasn't available. But I think that was Conte tinkering a bit too much with the lineup when he, when he had his injury issues um, because he does have some people who can play in that position. But um, certainly surprised, but Moses will be the regular starter when he's back fully fit. Dan, I was thinking about this. You know how like a lot of the guys, um, you know, have groups of friends at the team. Well, you start to see some of the Chelsea TV video and Instagram and Zappacasa has like his hat down. He kind of just is off to the side. He's the only Italian there outside of the coaching staff. Like, I wonder who he hangs out with. I actually was like worried that he doesn't like know he doesn't get a play he doesn't know Are you anyone he doesn't have any friends is I'm that what worried. you're trying to say i'm just concerned for him <laughs> i would love to hang out with you davide zapacosta in a couple weeks i'll be your buddy uh, Aww, beer, it's, it's very are, sweet beers are on us man like we're <laughs> we're friendly that's what we do we'll do peroni i'm open <laughs> it's yeah it's okay um no i think look guys uh, moses it, it drove me nuts um, when when Moses was getting slated. You know, I think the whole defense was struggling at the beginning of the year, and that he was kind of being identified as like a key piece of that. And when you look at Ingolo Kante in the in the three man midfield in this kind of three five one one, providing protection, uh, I think we're going to be just fine when Vic comes back, and and uh, he may even get forward a bit more knowing that we have that kind of defensive cover for him. We're going to have him back. And I think once Moses comes back, obviously, you know, Musanda and Batshuayi aren't quite there. We're pretty much going to have our full squad rolling into the meatiest part of the season, which is perfect. Uh, obviously, Danny Drinkwater getting close. Sorry, Gareth Southgate. We'll communicate better next time. But uh, let's go ahead and roll into part three. Uh, before we do, as always, um, you know, Dan, Christmas, holidays, Thanksgiving coming up. It's time when you give things to the people you like. What are we going to help people gift this season? Yeah, you know, real quick shout out for our friends at XL Tours. And, you know, they are also working on a way to allow you to gift a partial part or the full trip uh, for our next kind of set of games, which is going to be heading over for Tottenham. 
uh, Tottenham at, uh, at Sanford Bridge uh, this kind of later next year. So if you want to take advantage of that, just hit us up with a DM, email, um, whatever kind of communication mode you want to use to get with us, and we'll connect you with them to help it out. And we're going to make Brandon make a sweet certificate for you to present to your your loved one uh, that says, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going on this trip. And, and yeah, it'll be great. We haven't told Brandon that yet, but this is exactly the moment that he found out that he's doing that. So I'm unfazed. We're professional. I'm not worried about <laughs> it. It's perfect, right? You can, like, you can say, hey, mom, you're going to give me this, and it's just yeah. the down payment, right? It's like the first payment on the payment plan, and uh, it's going to be perfect. So... Um, you guys should should do that. Make me make me earn it. Make me work a little bit. But all right, next matchup for Chelsea in the match preview section is Karabag. It is in the Champions League, and they are going to the Baku National Stadium in Azerbaijan. Now I looked this up because the kickoff is earlier than normal. So I'm like, all right, well, how far away is Azerbaijan? Obviously, this is UEFA, so we know it's a European competition. It is 2,465 and a half miles away from London, and it is 3,967 kilometers, uh, depending on where you live in the world. That's a one-way trip. Uh, it's about a five and a half hour flight uh, commercial. I have no idea what that means for domestic flights, but Vi, are you going? <laughs> I am not, and I can say that from speaking to a lot of journalists who normally cover Chelsea, actually, a lot of journalists are not making the trip. Uh, partly, I think some of it is budget for some, for some companies. Uh, others, it's just just the sheer amount of time it's going to take journalists to get their get back. Uh, it is quite surprising how far they're traveling for this game one way. Um, and, you know, there's also a time difference as well of about four hours, I think. Um, so I think a lot of journalists are choosing to stay put in London and, and watch it from here. So if I did my math right, and feel free to double check me on this, it should be about a 5 p.m. GMT kickoff, uh, which is noon yes. east. Yep. Okay, good. So that's noon Eastern for uh, American fans, 11 a.m. Central or 9 a.m. Pacific. Nick, as we talk about scheduling meetings, you guys need to get this on the books Monday because it's not your normal 145 kickoff. Yeah, exactly. So this is actually, you know, for, for myself in the central time zone, a perfect kind of lunchtime excuse. Uh, you don't even need to schedule a doctor's appointment, Dan. I think this is uh, a perfect time. And for our friends on the West Coast, we feel kind of bad for you. Um, you know, but for a lot of folks, this is uh, Thanksgiving week. So you might have a little bit of extra free time or maybe you took some some PTO just to be with friends and family. Um, kick them out for like two hours during the match and make sure that you have the room to kind of absorb the match. But that would be my only uh, tactical decision-making process that would go into this. Yeah, and Nick, you know, you, you also, you know, just you could tell them people that it's my birthday and, uh, you know, that would be a great way to get off of uh, any responsibility. Hey it's going to be Dan's birthday. Dan is going to be 147 years old. And look, <laughs> he's, he's still cracking, though. I mean, look, the guy is in and out every week um, doing his thing, so... So we can't can't wait to celebrate your birthday, Dan. Can't miss opportunity for sure. Um, So obviously Karabakh have pulled off a few points (laughs) in this Champions League group, uh, potentially the group of death, which no one would have expected. So, uh, you know, I put the opponent's last results, but does it really matter? I mean, if Chelsea go out and just handle business, we should be good, except what both Roma and Atletico have drawn away. No, no, Roma only won by like one or two goals. I mean, yeah, it's, it's more, it's, Roma won and Atletico drew a care. It sounds like it's more difficult than it appears on the face of it. Maybe that's the travel involved as well. 
I think it will be. Um, this is the match in which we can kind of uh, solidify our place in the in the next round of this competition. So you would hope that they would go out and just take care of business so that when we are there watching the Atletico Madrid match, we can do it with a comfort uh, knowing that we're already advancing and, and have a nice day out. And uh, so that would be just nice. And, and a, a thing from our podcast to the Chelsea players, just go and handle this now. Uh, so that we can all have fun together. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be tough. You know, anytime you have to travel that much, turn around, go play a Saturday match at Liverpool via, I think that's going to be, it's going to be something that the team will have to overcome. Yeah, definitely. And Conte was complaining about it after West Brom game. He's not happy with how the Premier League fixtures have been done. Because, of course, the last time that this happened, I mean, he was complaining about it after the Atletico Madrid game. So they got back from Madrid um, after playing them in a Champions League in, in Spain. They got back, I think it was Thursday morning, around 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, they had a day where they had to recover. And then on the Friday, they were recovering um, training. And then they hosted, of course, Man City at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. And this is going to be worse than that because they get back, I think, from Azerbaijan on Thursday morning around 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. They will then do some light recovery on the Thursday. Friday, they will train and then leave the same day for Liverpool. And then they play Liverpool on the Saturday. It's not going to be easy for them. He's not happy. Um, and I think what you, what you guys are saying is absolutely correct. I mean, the fact that Atletico went there, could only secure a goalless draw, um, it is testament to the fact that they're travelling just so far, aren't they, to, to get to this game. And Karabag have been, uh, they've been quite stubborn, haven't they, at home? I think Roma only beat them 2-1. Um, in their game um, in Azerbaijan. So it's not an easy fixture. But Chelsea will be boosted by the fact that they beat them 6-0 at Stamford Bridge. Um, and they're going to be motivated, certainly, because they want to book their spot now um, in the next round. But it's not going to be easy. Let's see how they can um, can can react to the, to the travel. So Dan, uh, J underscore tape on Instagram says, do you think the B team will play against... Um, Karabag with Liverpool on Saturday being huge. Um, I don't, I throw out maybe the three four three so that way you can put William and Pedro on. But again, you only have one healthy striker, and there's a lot riding on this match. Like Nick said, I don't, you know, I don't know. I could see him going for like a B plus A minus lineup, like maybe Caballero, Louise, Rudiger. Um, probably not Kennedy. Probably not Drinkwater. And with Mo- Sanda Mishi Moses hurt. You pretty much kind of stick to the same. It's it's really tough, and I, I think the question is: Do you want to get it locked down now, so you have less pressure against Atletico in a you know where you're going to have Newcastle, Atletico, and West Ham kind of within a a seven day window, uh, or do you want to you know kind of gamble a little bit on this rotation and uh, I'm, I'm I'm kind of perplexed I really don't necessarily know what we're going to see from a player standpoint I, I obviously I think Morata will start with uh, Mishi kind of being uh, injured on on Belgian duty which yeah thank you Roberto Martinez again again Chelsea you. players in Belgian duty just does not uh, does not seem to line up terribly well this year so yeah, I, I genuinely think we'll see some rotation, but who that's going to be, I think Pedro's a good shout. I think Caballero is a great shout to come in, Luis. But beyond that, I think I'm, I'm kind of stuck on who we're going to slot in. I, I think we're going to have a heavy rotation, personally. I, I think we were good enough to beat them with, a, uh, with kind of a B team uh, at the bridge, and I think we'll be good enough to beat them uh, in kind of the same manner. 
I would in, I would make a huge assumption that Drinkwater would come in for uh, Ingolo Conte uh, because I just don't feel like you can risk that hamstring right now uh, more than uh, more than you have to. Uh, you might see um, Ampadu come in if if Bakayoko needs a breather. Uh, I don't know about Kennedy. I think that might be too risky, but uh, you know he did play. Um, he's played decent when he was in uh, for cup matches for the League Cup. And then, yeah, I mean, attacking-wise, you know, you would assume that William and Pedro would get pretty significant minutes considered they haven't really uh, started um, since – well, Pedro hasn't started since um, the Watford match. So, you know, there's there's some uh, – there's going to be some flexibility that's going to have to be shown here because I, I think you need your top lineup against Liverpool. You know, if I, if I were to make that gamble right now, I think I would – I would gamble that we would have enough talent to beat Carabag at home, even though they've been stubborn, um, considering we beat them 6-0. Uh, and then I would I would gamble that, you know, we could go to Anfield and, and take some points. You know, like, the only way I'm thinking about this, so, is if you mess up the Carabag result, you only have one more result or opportunity, and that's against Atletico, where they can come good, even though they haven't. Like, they have quality. While Liverpool, it's a big match... We're riding some momentum. Like Vice said, even you get a draw, it's not the end of the world. There's a ton more matches in the Premier League season to catch up ground. You know, I I honestly think you go lock up the Champions League so you can focus the rest of December on the Premier League in case you do slip Liverpool. I'm actually kind of flipping uh, on, on what you guys are saying. but Well, I'm, I mean, the, your best case scenario with that analysis, Brandon, would be that you, you start your strongest lineup, we get up 3-0 in the first half, and then you make a couple of adjustments um, with subs, you know, to make sure that people are getting rest. And you can but, kind of play keep ball from them, you know? You can pass around them a little bit. I get what you're saying. I guess, to me, like, I'm just taking the odds if you only have one more opportunity against Atletico versus another 20 matches in the Premier League. I, I, I don't agree. know. Okay. Fair, yeah, I think you make a fair point. So, I... Vi, do you want to give the final word? We'll let you make the decision. What's more important for Conte? <laughs> it's it's the Champions League. He has got his eye on the Champions League this season. So I actually, I've, I'm going to kind of go halfway between all of you guys because <laughs> I think he's going to have a relatively strong squad with a few changes in a few positions. Yeah. So just so that he's got a bit of a balance there. So I actually think Courtois, I think Courtois will start. I think... Rudiger will play and I actually think Louise might play just to give Christian a bit of a break but I mean that one really does depend on what's happening behind the scenes but I think Louise Rudiger to play um, and I actually think Hazard will start but you probably will have a 3-4-3 so possibly Pedro on the other flank to give Fabregas a bit of a rest and yeah I can understand why he might actually have drink water start um, and to give Kante a bit of a rest or Bakayoko depending on which one he thinks um you know, needs the bigger rest. But I think what what will happen is he'll have a relatively strong uh, strong team starting the game with a few changes, and then he'll bring them all off um, as soon as they go what two three up. I think that's what's going to happen because he absolutely doesn't want the, the the sort of their progression to get down to that game that you guys will be at, actually um, to the Atletico Madrid game. He doesn't want to risk it. He wants to seal this. I think now. But there is that issue of you've got Liverpool coming up in a couple of days, hardly any recovery time. What you can't take the risk. So I think it'll be a relatively strong lineup with a few changes, and then you'll see wholesale changes around 60 minute mark if there are two, three goals up. Sounds good. Well, 
that is going to wrap up this episode. I think this was a very full uh, and, and, and well done pod. I mean, this is, there was a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm excited uh, by having you on fantastic uh, kind of opinions, analysis, uh, and, and just what you brought. So thank you so much. We'll definitely have to bring you back on in the second half of the season. And hopefully we get to at least meet in London and, and say hi in person. We certainly will. And thanks so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up with our final thoughts as always. So, Nick, man, anything you want to leave for the fans before we wrap this up? Yeah, um, and that would be just to our Twitter following. Um, you know, look, things are going well right now. There's no need to snipe at each other. Um, we had to mediate a little skirmish yesterday. Just don't do it. <laughs> our, our fans are better than that. And, and frankly, it's been amazing uh, that we've had um, as little trolling on our page as possible. So um, not a direct uh, shot across the bow to any one person or two people in particular. But uh, when things are going well, let's just uh, let's just have it be a nice, clean, uh, clean engagement there. Huh, Dan? I think that's always important. I think the other thing I would say is, uh, you know, for all of our uh, American listeners, which is uh, the large majority, but, you know, we, we do have a pretty you know, healthy international following. Uh, have a, uh, a very wonderful Thanksgiving. Boom. All right, Chelsea fans, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. As always, you know what to do. We got a short week. Matches are coming thick and fast. Get the schedule in your calendar and don't miss it. Early kickoff this Wednesday against Carabag. So until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.